0: Take your Bibles and turn with me again to 1 John, but this time 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter number 5. We come to the final chapter in this wonderful little epistle. Um, I have really, really, really enjoyed uh, studying this little book. Uh, It's very foundational, very basic. Um, This marvelous little epistle has been very clear cut. Right to the point. It has a purpose in demonstrating the test by which someone can know they're a Christian. Chapter 5, verse 13 is the key verse to the whole thing. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know, not guess, not wonder, not have your nerves all churned up wondering if you belong to Christ. There are clear tests that can let you know if You belong to God. This is a letter that is provided for assurance, so that the true child of God can be assured that they have been born again. It's um, it is basic. Uh, It's probably one of the best books that a new believer in Christ could read. Anytime um, someone asks me what's a good what's where's the best place to start for a new believer in the Bible, I say either. Big John, the Gospel of John, Romans, and now First John. Have to throw First John in there because all of the, a, a, a lot of the basic, just basic truths of of, of uh, the Christian faith are contained in these five chapters. And John cycles back through them, and each time John cycles back through, he he broadens and widens our understanding of these of these themes. And as we come to chapter five. There's a special note here in the uh, opening uh, five verses, and it is the issue of the overcomer. So look with me at 1 John chapter 5, and I want to read to your hearing verses 1 through 5. And I want to speak to you about the various things that the people of God are are called in Scripture. So the title of the message is, Referred to by God. First John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, hear now the word of the true and living God. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we are the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. Father, it is indeed precious to it to us. Open our eyes to it. Give us spiritual eyes to see. Give us minds to comprehend. Give us hearts to engraft it to absorb it, and give us wills to obey it. All these things we ask in Jesus' strong name. Amen. In the New Testament, there are many wonderful titles that the people of God are called. First and foremost, we're called Christians. We're told in the book of Acts, that they were first called Christians at Antioch. And then in the beginning, that term Christian was a derogative term. It was a term of derision. It was a term of making fun, making fun of the, the people, the followers of Jesus Christ. The word Christian means little Christ. Not little Messiah as in the sense that we have the capability to do what Jesus did. But it was a term of derision in that we were foolish for following a man who was crucified and put to death. But we're known as Christians. We're also known in the scripture as children of God, children of light, Children of the day. We're called the faithful. We're called friends of Jesus Christ. We're called brothers and sisters. We're called sheep. We're called saints. We're called soldiers. We're called witnesses. We're called stewards. And we're called fellow citizens. We're called lights in the world. We're called the elect of God, the chosen. We're called the ambassadors of Christ. We're called ministers. We're called servants. We're called disciples We're called heirs. We're called branches in the vine. We're called members of the body of Christ. We're called the living stones by which the temple of God is built. We're called temples. We're called the beloved. We're called followers and much, much more. I want to draw your attention out of these five verses that we just read. I want to give you four other terms that the people of God are called. Point number one in the first part of verse 8. Look what it says. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. The people of God are believers. The people of God are known as believers. Believers in what? Believers in Christ. It is, this is the first thing that John talked about in, in chapter 1, and this is the last thing. He's beginning chapter 5 with the, the first thing. He's second, uh, uh, last verse, same as the first, I guess you could say. He, he's going back through the, the important things, it, 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 what it means to be a follower of Christ. And the, the, the name that, that we can draw out of um, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5 the, that we're referred to as, as believers. This is foundational. This is foundational to to the to the Christian faith. The power of belief is only as great as the object that is believed upon. The power of the belief is only as great as the object that is believed upon. Saving faith is more than just head knowledge. It's more than just knowing Bible facts. But it involves a wholehearted, permanent commitment to Jesus as Lord Savior, Messiah, and God. True Christians know that Jesus Christ, who is God, is the only one worth believing in. We've got an election coming up Tuesday. I have no confidence in man. None. I have no confidence in man. Now, Jesse and I went and did our part yesterday. We took part in, in, in the early voting, but I put no confidence in man. The middle verse of the Bible is found in Psalm chapter 118 in verse 8, where it says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And verse 9 goes on to say of Psalm 118, It is better to trust in the Lord than to trust In nobles. It is better to trust in the wisdom and the power of God than it is to trust in earthly leaders. We're to pray for earthly leaders. We're to pray for them. We're we're, we're told in the New Testament to do so. We're to pray for those that God puts in authority. But our trust goes a lot further than Richmond. Our trust goes a lot further than Washington. Our trust is in heaven. Our trust is in the Lord. And there are so many people that in the society that we live in today want the hand-me out, want the handouts, want the give me, give me, give me, give me. You're gonna you're gonna cut me a check? Keep on cutting it, send it here, right? You wanna pay me to live in sin? I'll do it. That's the that's our society living under the governments of men, trusting in the governments of men. But the child of God is to trust and trust alone in the government of God. And this belief in Jesus Christ, if you think of the Christian faith as a chain, the belief in Jesus Christ is the link that holds it all together. If you think about it as a house, there's a building. Christ Jesus is the chief cornerstone. This belief in Jesus Christ holds everything else together. What you and I think about Jesus Christ will determine everything else. This is becoming such a passion of mine. This is becoming such a burden of mine with the false view that is perpetrated of Jesus in the culture. Because what you and I think about Jesus is gonna determine everything else. It's gonna determine everything else. First, it's gonna determine heaven or hell. If you think about Christ with the world or what the cults believe about Christ, you will find yourself in hell. You must believe exactly what the scriptures say about Christ. It's going to determine how great your faith is. It will determine how you view the world. What you think about Christ will shape how you view everything else. Your view of Christ will affect how you love your spouse how you love your children, how children love their parents, how you love your siblings. How you view Christ will determine how you work on your job, how you run your business. How you view Christ will determine how you do everything else. And what the child of God, what the believer in God is to have uh, is the highest view of God, the highest view of Christ as possible. You've heard me mention several times about this whole Jesus is my homeboy culture. All I need is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus mentality. Or you go by churches and you see on the billboards, fall for Jesus. He never leaves you. That's not the Jesus of the Scripture. That's not the way that He is portrayed in the Scripture. I want to give you some cross-references. I want to read to you the, from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter three, Exodus chapter three. This is where this is where Moses encounters God in the burning bush, and I want you to keep that in mind. This 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 what the world says that 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 all Jesus is is just a slogan on a T-shirt. Just a, just a nifty slogan on a t-shirt that he's just this supplement that you're going to take in the morning along with the, the other vitamins and minerals that you may take just to help you have the, the very best day you possibly can. All right, listen to this. Exodus three, beginning in verse one. All right, it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, in the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when he saw that the, and when he, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes off thy feet for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses, listen to this, and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. He was afraid to look upon God. Why? God is high. God is holy. We are not. I want to give you another one. I gave it to you last week Isaiah chapter 6. This is the vision of of, that Isaiah, when Isaiah saw the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain uh, covered his face. With twain covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And he cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried at the house that was filled with smoke. Listen to this. Then I said, this is Isaiah speaking. Woe is me, for I am un. John, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now Isaiah didn't just say, hey, "Yo, know, uh, whoa, 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 that's a bright light." No, he says, "Whoa, is me." He said that he was almost undone, that he was almost come apart at the seams because of he was in the presence of the holy glorious God but our culture paints God paints Jesus as as if he is just on our level as if he is just just gonna meet us at the coffee shop and hang out and we're just gonna talk things over and maybe we'll work maybe it'll work out maybe it won't but hey That's not what, that's not the Jesus is depicted in the culture. Let me give you another one. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. Verses 1 through 6. It says, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. That's how we're going to see him in heaven. That's Christ in his glorified state. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto, unto them, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while yet he spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. Now listen to this, verse six. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, And we're sore afraid. God is not like us. Christ did condescend and come to heaven, come from heaven to earth to live among men, to live as man yet without sin, died perfectly, sinlessly for our sins upon the cross to pay our debt. But he did not stay there. Where did he go? He went right back up high, holy, and lifted up. And when you encounter, when you truly encounter God and you see God and experience God just as He truly is, as He is revealed in His Word, you know something. If you don't know anything else, you know this. He is better than I am. He is different than I am. I am not like Him. He is powerful, I'm weak. He is holy, I'm a sinner. And you see that through the scriptures and it doesn't just stop there. You've seen it in the Father, you've seen the the, the holiness of the Father and and the holiness of the Son. Now let's see the holiness of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter uh, five. Acts chapter five, you're very well acquainted with this story. Ananias and Sapphira, right? They made an agreement that they were gonna take you know, they were going to sell his stuff and they were going to pull it all together, you know, for the, for the, for the good of the early church. Ananias and Sapphira had a, little, had a little deal that they didn't come up with themselves. Listen to what happens. But a certain, Acts chapter 5 beginning in verse, verse 1, it says, But a certain man named Ananias, and with Sapphira his wife, sold possession and kept back part of the price of, uh, his wife also been privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, what ha- why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto man, but unto God." And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all of them that heard these things. Wouldn't that be something if people dropped dead for lying this day and time? There'd be a whole lot less of it. There'd be a whole lot less of it. And that's how serious God takes lying. That's how serious God takes dishonesty. God hates it. God hates lying just as much as he hates uh, uh, hands that shed innocent blood. You see that in Proverbs chapter, chapter seven, where it talks about these six things, yea, seven were an abomination to God, a lying tongue. God takes that very, very, very seriously. So Ananias drops dead in verse, uh, Acts five, verse six. And the young men arose, wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about, uh, no, let me back up, back up verse five. And Ananias, hearing these things, fell down and gave up the ghost. And listen to this. And great fear came on all of them that heard these things. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear, the knowledge of God, knowing and seeing God for who and how he is. And yet in this time that we see this cookie-cutter, K-Love Christianity paints Jesus as just a barista. Just this this soft-handed, soft-footed shampoo model that he's just this weak beggar. That, can, that has no power and no authority. That is not the Christ of Scripture. That is not the Lord Jesus Christ of Scripture. That is not the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father. What did the Christ tell the, uh, the Pharisees? What did he finally tell them when he got mad at When, when he finally got mad at them? Yes, you're going to see the Son of Man coming in the power, of, coming in the clouds of heaven with power. Seated at the right hand of power. He is high, He is holy, and you and I need to see Him and have Him in the right context. Christ is high, Christ is holy, He cannot be brought down to our level. He is high, He is holy, He is worthy, He is God, we are not. Now that does not mean that He is unattainable for us to communicate with. God is loving, our triune God is loving, he is gracious, he is merciful, he looks upon us with mercy, he has mercy upon us, he, his, his ear is as wide open for each and every one of his children as it is the next. But he's holy. And I go back to that statement that I've quoted to you before from R.C. Sproul when he, was, when, uh, when he was speaking during a conference one time before, before he passed away. We don't know who God is. And we certainly don't know who we are. And pastors and and ministries, they paint this picture of Jesus. They paint this picture of God as if God created mankind for God to serve and for God to worship. And that's not it. We were created to love and to serve Him. But we don't love Him, but we love Him, why? Because He first loved us. And in order to combat this culture of death that we see all around us, the Jesus of the coffee bar isn't going to get it done. No, friends, He is a powerful, He is the powerful Savior. A high view of Christ enhances our understanding of His love and His mercy. When you see Him, when you know Him, when you understand Him in the Scripture as the high and holy and lifted up God, and you then you're going to appreciate and understand His mercy a whole lot more. But like that high, that holy, that lifted up God came to suffer and die for me. Again, as I've said many times before, this faith has to be Personal. The Christian faith has to be personal for you. Yes, the church. Yes, for all believers. But you, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, Jesus Christ left all of heaven for you. For you, the high and holy God. Same God that was spoke out of the bush. The same God that Isaiah saw. The same God that uh, the, the three disciples saw on the Mount of Transfiguration. The same God that put Ananias and Sapphira to death for, 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 for lying, left all of heaven for you, suffered and died for you. And a high view of Christ promotes de- a deep, authentic humility. It doesn't puff our chest up. It'll puff our chest up about him. We should want to brag on him. But we're reminded of the old hymn, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I clean. High view of Christ promotes deep, authentic humility. A high view of God, high view of Christ strengthens living and vibrant faith. It strengthens living and vibrant faith It what makes our faith come alive. Because a poor view or a false view of Christ, it's not going to provide any real lasting strength. I was talking to somebody recently. I was talking to the pastor, uh, 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 the pastor's wife down at Mount Vernon Friday when we had that little um, joint youth get together. The God of the bouncy house isn't going to give you strength in the time of need. The God of the fun stuff, uh, and, 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 and there are times for fun, there are times for stuff like that. But when the trials of life come and those storms just hit and they hit, and they hit, and they hit, and they won't let up, and they hit, and then you think, you've got, you, you think you can catch your breath, and something hits you again, and then hits you again. Bouncy house isn't going to cut it. What's going to keep you centered? The cornerstone of your faith. The building block. The link in the chain that holds the rest of it together. And that's why it's so critical that we have the highest view of Christ that there is. And that goes into the fourth thing that a high view of Christ does. It provides resources necessary for times of suffering and affliction. If all he is is just a supplement that I take in the morning to help get the day started, that, that's going to run out. That's going to run out. I, I, I'm going I'm to I'm run out of that and have to go to the vitamin store and eventually my, bio, my body's going to build up an immune system to it, so I'm probably going to need to get something else. But the well that this, that the true Christ has, it never runs dry. Never runs dry. We come together on the Lord's Day. We encourage one another. We hear the Word of God. Uh, we read the Word of God. We hear it preached. We sing the old songs, We encourage one another. That fills us up and then... Each and every day, we need to have time alone uh, 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 with God. That puts that puts more fuel on the fire. That 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 stokes the fire. That kindles the fire, and that gives us that help in a time of need. And it, another high view of God, high view of Christ enables us to worship God the way that He desires. Because it's going to be Him that's the focus, and not my needs. It's going to be Him that's going to be the focus of all things, and not you know what my the, the 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 desires of my of of my flesh well i i, I don't you know uh I, I you know the 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 church now here in here in america needs somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes of non-stop music just non-stop just just non-stop music and it's got to be a particular kind of music and if i don't like that music i'm not going then, then i have no time for that place and then the Word has about maybe, at the most, 20, 25 minutes. And the theology in the songs that are sung and the theology in the message that's preached is about as deep as a pothole in a driveway. With no knowledge of God given, no, the, the truths of God barely touched upon And all of Christianity, all of this popular evangelicalism, popular mainline Christianity is just all about self, promoting self, self self-help stuff. And it doesn't put Jesus in the right context. In a high view of God, a high view of Christ, the sixth thing that it does is it drives us to serve. Big, lofty, high, lifted up, powerful the most powerful, the, the 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 most worthy. Man, that's the one that I want to get out and serve. I I don't some statue, some painting, some false, some thing of mortar stone and wood or rebar. That God has no power. But the true God does. If you have a low and limited view of God, a low and limited view of Christ. I can assure you this, anxiety and fear are an issue in your life. If a person has a low view or a limited view or even a false view of Christ, fear and anxiety are issues in your life. But if your view of Christ is the same as the Scripture's, then you know Him as the Sovereign Lord and Master, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the friend that sticketh closer than a brother, the the, ro- the sweet rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. He is the Emmanuel. The, uh, he is God with us. And you know that there is nothing that He cannot get you through because He has overcome the world. Last thing on about a high view of Christ. A high view of Jesus A high view of Jesus believes that Jesus didn't just come into being December 25th of the year zero, but rather he's always existed. He is God. Jesus was not created. He is the creator. Jesus created everything. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He created the Virgin Mary. He was born in Bethlehem. He created Bethlehem. He was born in a cave. He created the cave. He was laid in a manger. He created the tree that made the wood. He he created the man that made the manger. And we need to have a right view of him. Our belief in him is, is, is is the foundation of our faith, and we must believe in the right Christ. Point number two, look what it says, rest of verse one. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loves him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. So that's saying that everyone who loves Christ also loves everyone else who believes in Christ. So we're believers in God. The the people of God are known as believers and we're also known as lovers. We've talked about this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because we talked about that for the last several weeks. We're to love God, love people. Love God above everything else. Love God, above our love for God, the hierarchy of our love has to be right. God is to be loved by us more than anything or anyone else. Then we'll love our neighbor as ourselves. And, and, and if we love God, we're going to love our neighbor like God tells us to love our neighbor. Show him kindness, show her kindness when we can, but we're going to tell them the truth. We're going to tell them of their need for the Savior. And, 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 and think about this. Think about this. We're to love one another. We're to love the church. And as we talked about last week, when we love one another, we show God to the world. We show God to the world. We reveal God to the world when the church loves the church. You want to be a blessing this week? Then serve somebody. You want to be a blessing this week? You want to have your heart blessed? Then serve somebody. You want to be used of God this week? Then serve somebody. You want to display the love that God has for you? You want to show God off? Then serve somebody. Start small. Start small. Every one of you, I'm sure, has a church directory. I want you to pick somebody out and call, call somebody that you don't ever talk to. Call them. Tell them you love them and tell them that you're praying for them. And then when you hang up the phone, pray for them. Start small. And pray for the Lord to open your eyes and open your ears and open your heart to ways that you can show Him to others by, ser- by serving them. Pray for God to give you, the cur- give you the courage, give you the motivation, and give you the obedience to be His hand and feet when we learn of a need. Because so often, and, this, and, and, and I mean this really, really, really gets to the core, so often we neglect the needs of others simply because we don't want to be inconvenienced. It's not always because, well, uh, that takes money or that takes this or that takes that. Uh, uh, the majority of the time, it's simply because we don't want to be bothered. Oh, I got all this and that going on. And there are times, and I've had to repent of this, that I know God has brought opportunities to me to show him off to Somebody. To be his hand or to be his feet, and I don't. We need to pray that we would that God would give us the courage, to give us the 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 the, the motivation and the obedience to you know what. Yes, I will pick up the phone and make that call. Yeah, I I I I, uh, I, uh, I will be obedient to to act. Because the majority of the time we don't act just simply because we don't want to be bothered. So let's all pray that God would do an overhaul and work in all of our hearts that would just 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 purge us of spiritual spiritual apathy, spiritual slothfulness. So we're to love God. We're to love the church. We love Christ because He first loved us because He chose us when we would not have chosen Him. And now we want to show our love for him by obeying him. And part of obeying him is loving his kids. And we love the ones that are born of him is what the text says. Point number three, we're obeyers of God. Obeyers of God. So we're believers, we're lovers, and obeyers. The people of God will show their love for God by obeying his commandments. As it says there, and his commandments are not grievous. The proof of genuine faith is sustained loving obedience. Genuine faith produces love which results in obedience. Those who believe that God is who Scripture reveals Him to be will respond to Him with love, praise, and adoration. For when a person has truly been forgiven much, then they will easily and happily and honestly. Love the one that forgave them and then won't in turn to obey him. Think about it. Think about all of the ways and all of the times that you failed God. All of the ways and the times that you've sinned against him. Think about all of the times that you, you should have been left to die in your sin. And think about all the reasons why the Lord, all the reasons why you gave the Lord to send you to a devil's hell. You know, recently Jesse and I went to a what was called a judgment house at a church around Halloween. Sometimes churches put on these; they're like walk-through plays, right? It's a walk-through play, and it'll give you like four scenarios, four people's lives. They're all impacted by this one event, usually death. They, they die, and they go, and, 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 and their eternity uh, is, is, is shown to you. Jesse and I went, and I liked all of it, but two things. One, it was they had somebody playing Jesus Christ. I don't like that. I do not like that at all. No human being has the right, the authority, the capability to portray the sinless Son of God. I've got a real big problem with that as, a, as it being a violation of the second commandment. But this guy was going around and he was actually portraying pretending to be Jesus and walking up to people, putting his hands on, his, on their shoulders and telling them that he loves them. And, and I'm just like, that's wrong. So that was, the, 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 that was the one thing that bothered me. But the other one was the depiction of hell. They had s- the guy portraying Satan sitting on a throne in he- on, a, on a throne in hell. That's not how it's going to be. Satan is going to be burning in hell just like every other poor uh, member of the lost. He's not going to be ruling and reigning. He doesn't even have the keys now to death in hell. The Lord Jesus has them. But if you want a depiction of hell, if they were going to do it, this is what they should have done. It should have been a pitch black room. As hot as you can possibly make it. With nothing But screams of pain and agony and help me, please. Oh, God, get me out of here. Oh, God, why didn't I listen? What warned my family? That is what hell will be like. Screams in pain and agony and cries for help that will never be met. And that's where you and I deserve to go. That's where you and I deserve to be right now. But two words, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy, had mercy upon mercy upon mercy to look with us and say, nope, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give what you deserve to my son. And I'm going to reward you for what he does and grants us eternal life. And you know, when, when, when you get a handle on that, yeah, I don't mind obeying that God. I don't have a problem, not one, not lying to somebody. I don't have a problem, not one, not stealing from somebody. I don't have a problem, not one, not coveting what someone else has. Oh, they don't deserve what they got. That's not, That's not for us to judge. That's between them and the Lord. Even if they are crooked, God will work that out. We are to be, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We are to be, um, help me. What's the word? that We're we're to to be content. That's the word that I wanted. We're to be content with what God has entrusted us with. We are to be content with what God gives us. And, So, we're to be lovers of God and and obeyers of God. Christ suffered the torments of hell. He suffered the the tough torments of hell upon the cross where the wrath of God was poured out upon him. The torment that you and I should deserve. And yet, yet, uh, because of what he did, washed away what you and I did. What he did washed away what you and I did. And because of that, that should just create a well of obedience within our heart. Yeah. Yes, Heavenly Father. Yes, Daddy. I will obey you. I will obey you not because I'm trying to obtain your love. You've already given it to me. That's a great, great, great truth. That when a person comes to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, he's never going to love you any less or any more than the day that you came to faith and repentance in Christ. His love for you will never, ever change. Our love for him can only increase with the more that we know about him. But his love for us will never change. And when that, yes, yes, daddy, I'll do what you tell me. Because I want people to see you living in me. I want, pe- I want to be able to have re- have conversations when people look at my life and look like as as um, as um, uh, Miss Dorothy says many times she'd rather s- see a sermon than hear one. That's the world. When they see that you're not acting like the rest of the world, they see that you're being obedient to the command of God. You're like, why? And then you gives you opportunity to tell them because Christ saved my soul. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love him? Do you love him? He proved his love for you on the cross. He showed his love for you on the cross and we show our love to him by obeying him. By obeying him. And let me say this. Let me say this. We don't get to cherry pick what we we obey. We don't get to pick and choose what we obey. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the path that leadeth to destruction and many that go in thereat. Because narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leadeth to life and there be few that find it. A person must come all alone and must come all the way through the narrow gate. All alone, all the way through the narrow gate having left behind all of your sin. Having repented of all of your sin. Having forsook all of your sin. That doesn't mean that we're not still tempted, but you leave it behind. A true follower of Jesus Christ obeys all of the Lord's commandments. We won't always get it right, but at our heart's desire, that regenerated heart, we want to do the Lord's will. There are some that do profess to be believers, and they read all the latest books, they go to all the conferences that they can they do all the encouraging and self-help non-confrontational bible studies but sadly they do all of that but they'll have like one or two particular sins that they won't let go of that they won't part ways with now they know that God won't, God does not condone it but in their heart they're hoping That if they do all this other stuff, that he'll just overlook it. That maybe if they do all this other stuff, if they read all the latest books, if they go to all these conferences, if they take all the the notes and obey God in every other area except for this one, that maybe he will just overlook that, overlook of that one sin that they won't turn loose of. Folks, God doesn't work that way. God does not work that way that 's like trying to bribe a judge. Hey, I did all this other stuff. I was faithful in all of these other areas. Well, what about that one don 't look at that don't don 't look at that look 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 at all of this that 's trying to bribe the judge that 's one judge that won 't be bribed. we 're told that all of our righteous deeds are just as filthy. Rags before a just and holy God Christ does not make exceptions for sin must forsake them all leave them all behind and they were on him at the cross or they'll be on that person for all eternity in hell Jesus says come all the way through the gate or don't come at all come all the way through or don't come count the cost or don't come Come and die to yourself and leave the sinful desires of the world behind or don't come at all. You cannot say you love Christ if you don't obey Him. You cannot love Him and cling to sin that put Him on the cross. Struggle with it? Yes. Yes, there, 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 be, there could be some things that we struggle with to the day He calls us home. But we don't pretend like they don't exist. And we don't make excuses for them. You cannot love him and cling to the sin that put him on the cross. So we are, we are believers. The people of God are believers. They are lovers and they are obeyers. And fourth and finally, they're overcomers. We are overcomers through Christ. Look what it says, verses four and five. For whoso, for for who whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Our faith in Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Now, let's take verses 4 and 5 and let's combine them with three other verses. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. My two favorite verses in all of Scripture. For by grace you have been saved through faith, through faith and that not of yourselves the faith that we have to believe in Christ is a gift. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake. So it has been granted to us to believe In Christ, Acts 3.16 says, And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know and the faith which is through him. How good is God to his church? How good is God to his church? He supplies the perfect Savior who sacrifices his own life for the sins of the rebellious and then gives us the very faith that we need to believe in Christ for the salvation of our soul. Christ in his sinless life and sacrificial death and glorious resurrection won for all of eternity the victory of his church. And that makes us overcomers. We are overcomers through Christ. What are we overcomers of? Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, these things that I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. The Greek word for overcomer is the one that you see on shoes. It's Nike, which means to carry off to victory. To carry off to victory. Romans 8.37 says, Nevertheless, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The people of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, are super conquerors. We are the ultimate conquerors. We have, through faith in Christ, entered, in, entered the condition of being unconquerable. To put it another way, we are invincible. We, we are invincible. We are unconquerable so that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus there is nothing that can conquer the child of God not tribulation not distress not persecution not famine not peril not nakedness or sword the child of God is a super conqueror we are the unconquerable We are the overcomers. Overcomers of what? Satan. First and foremost, at the point of our salvation, we become conquerors of Satan because our Savior, the conqueror, has crushed the head of the serpent. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their witness, and they did not love their life even to death. This doesn't just go for the tribulation saint, but goes for all of the redeemed. Overcomers get not only triumph over Satan, but a triumph over Satan that results in an eternal heaven. And all that heaven is becomes ours. We are the true victors. And John certainly affirmed this idea earlier in his epistle. If you go back to chapter 2. In verse 13, listen to what it says. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known that this from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome the evil one. As soon as you believe the truth, you defeat the lies. As soon as you embrace the power of God, the power of Satan is neutralized. I've heard this said many times. Satan only has the power that you and I give him. He only has the power that you and I give him. He's not omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent like God is. He's not on the same level with God. He's no match for our God. And so he, him and his minions have to learn. And there is that our eyes cannot see a spiritual world out there That if we could see it right now with our eyes, it scares us to death. But there is a spiritual world out there with Satan and his demons roaming around as roaring lions seeking whom they may devour. And they have to learn. And they see our our sinful tendencies. And they prey upon that. And then that's what the fiery darts come from. That's what they come from. And when they see sins that we partake in uh, over and over, that's what those fiery darts come from. That's what the, So if it's doubt, if, if 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 we struggle with if we struggle with doubt or, or 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 whatever, he'll learn that, and then dart after dart after dart of doubt comes your way. But we have overcome the devil through Christ. We're overcomers not only of Satan, but we're overcomers of this life as well. We're overcomers of even death. Even death, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, I want, to, I want to read this to you, how precious it is. It says, Behold, I show you a great mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. For in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet, of, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory. That's why this plays on what I said last week. We are not to be bound up, hemmed up in fear and worry and doubt. Because we believe and serve in a high and holy and lifted up powerful God. And there's nothing that he cannot do. Look back at chapter, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because why? Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. We didn't just barely scrape by. It's not a fragile victory that the believer gets to enjoy. We didn't just win by one point at overtime, in, uh, in overtime at the buzzer. Through Christ, we are super conquerors, and there will never be another game where we will lose our victory. We are the reigning champions, and the championship which has been won for us in Christ is one that will never, ever be taken away from us. When John says that we have overcome the world, what he is really saying is we have overcome this invisible spiritual evil system. What we're talking about is the spiritual system of evil that exists without God, that's opposed to God, that's dominated by Satan, ruled by him as the prince and the power of the air. It is the system of Satan, but it is also the system of man dominated by God carnal ambition and sinful lust dominated by pride, dominated by greed, dominated by self, dominated by pleasure, by lust and desire, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the sinful pride of life. It is a system by definition that is ignorant of God in open rebellion against God and run by Satan on the earth. And we have overcome that through Christ. So literally what it's saying there is whatever is born of God overcomes the world and keeps on overcoming. It keeps on overcoming. And we realize the victory that it besets us is that our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 tells us that. That's where our hearts are. That's where our Father is. That's where our Savior is. That's where our name is written. That's where our mansion is being prepared. And that's where we're headed. Take heart that we are victorious through Christ. If we could get a handle on that, if we could get a handle on that truth, the victory that we could have the victory that we can have in this life, and it's there. Take Him at His Word. Take Him at His Word. If you are trusting in Christ for the salvation of your soul, that when you take your last breath in this life, that He is going to transport you to be with Him for all of eternity. If you're trusting Him for that, you can trust Him to pay that light bill. You can trust Him to save that wayward child. You can trust him to fix that car when it breaks down. You can trust him with anything on this earth. Well it feels like I don't do anything but 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 fight the devil all the time. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above all that you and I could ever ask or think. And sometimes those attacks do come and it seems like they just keep coming and they won't quit. But guess what? We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And our conquering Savior will be with us and gives us the strength to endure and gives us the strength to not just endure it, but endure it with victory and come out better on the other side. And then that way, just maybe, Lord will use us help somebody else get through a similar fire as well little children you are of god and have overcome them for greater is in for greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world we love him because he first loved us and we do not live in fear because we know and have been overcome you and i have been overcome by the conquering love of Jesus Christ and now through Christ we are overcomers because he first has overcome the world let's pray father and our God we thank you again for your word father we thank you Lord for the truths that are contained in it help us Lord to know that we are victorious through Christ that we don't have to walk with our head down with our face elongated depressed and beat up and defeated we are victorious through your son our savior jesus christ help us to keep our eyes firmly fixed on him and help us lord to take you at your word father we believe help our unbelief all these things we ask in jesus precious holy name amen